Amen. Well, it's great to be here with you this morning, and great to be digging in with you this morning. We're starting a new sermon series. It's called Celebrate the Savior. So we're launching off this fall, making it all about Jesus Christ. We're going to be grasping the greatness and the goodness of Christ throughout this fall as we dig into different facets of Him, all right? And the roadmap... The roadmap for the different pieces we're going to look at with Jesus is going to be the Jewish feasts. We're actually going to go back and we're going to take a look at these seven Jewish feasts that are spoken of in the Old Testament, and they're actually celebrated by the Jews even today, still goes on uh, all over the place. It is about celebrating who God is and how he provided in the past for them. But in fact, it's also a looking forward to Jesus Christ in different ways. So these feasts that started way back, they were looking forward to the cross and beyond. It gives us a deep understanding of Jesus as we dig in to these different feasts, all right? So let's throw one of the slides up here. And uh, if you turn in your bulletin, you'll see the same picture, all right? And so notice there are seven feasts that we've got here. Just so we understand the roadmap a little bit of the seven feasts, I'll give you a little bit of information before we dive into our first preach today, all right? So there's three feasts, and then there's one feast, and then there's another three feasts. And three plus one plus three equals? Okay, and seven, and seven is also the number of God himself. He loves to be able to bring things in sevens. And so if you notice this three, the one and the three, the first three feasts will be all about Jesus' first coming, the work he did in and around the cross and all that took place there, all right? And then there'll be that fourth feast that's about the Holy Spirit and his coming. And then the next three feasts are about Jesus' second coming, all right? And so as we walk through the feast, we are gonna get a different look at Jesus Christ each week and his greatness, all right? And all of God's people said. So that's our roadmap. It means we're gonna do a little bit of Old Testament and then we're gonna do a little bit of New Testament and then we're gonna do a lot of worshiping Jesus Christ on that day as we close it out, all right? That's gonna be our walk each week to make sure we grasp it a little bit. So. As we dive in here, I just want to give you one more piece of info for those of you who might be the kind of person that loves to look things up and you start Googling things and you're like, this doesn't seem to make sense to me. I don't know how it works. I'll give you a little bit more info, all right? So just so we understand, our calendar, it's called the Gregorian calendar, if you care. Our calendar runs on the solar system. So it's actually tied to the sun. And every year we restart at January 1, right? And we're kind of aligning it with the sun and where we sit at that point. The problem is it's not exactly aligned with the sun. So every four years we add, we had a leap year day, right? So we throw one day in and we catch it up. We got caught back up to the sun, right? And so that's our calendar. We track that way. All right. The Jewish calendar doesn't track to the solar system. It tracks to the lunar system, to the moon, all right? So the Jewish calendar is tracking moon. That means the beginning of each month is when the moon is like kind of dark. There's just sort of a black round circle, no light, right? And then as you go through the middle of months, you get to the 15th and it's full moon, right? And then you get to the back end of the month and you've gone the other side and that moon is now blacked out again and it's the beginning of the next month. It tracks on the lunar calendar. Have you ever noticed like with us, you're like, when's the full moon? And we're like, I have no idea. It's all over the place, right? You got to use special tools on the internet to be figuring out if you're deer hunter and you care all about 
full moons and not full moons. Now you're having to track it all over. Just so you know, in the Jewish calendar, it's all, when's full moon? 15th of the month, dude. Always, right? We track it by the moon. And so that's what's going on. You've got this lunar calendar thing. Here's the problem. The lunar calendar isn't quite lined up with the sun either. And so it just starts, if you track only the moon, the beginning of the year starts drifting backwards. And so every couple of years, they throw in a leap month, okay? A whole month gets thrown in where they repeat a month. The month of Adar comes twice sometimes, right? Just like every four years we add a day, every couple of years they'll add an extra month and then that gets everything skewed back up and ready to go again. And so they're sort of tracking with the moon regularly and every once in a while they bump in a month to try to not drift too far away from where the sun is at. So that means the beginning of their uh, year religious calendar is always in the spring. It's kind of in our March-April time frame. And uh, that's right around when we have our Easter celebrations, right? So that's a little bit of what's going on. Just so you understand, they track by moon, we track by sun. There's a little bit of difference on it. Every once in a while, they throw an extra month in there. So if you're ever trying to figure some things out, just know you're starting with that point. Little tidbit of information. It'll help you if your mind was sweating certain numbers, all right? It'll also help as we start to dive into these and they start giving days and, uh, and it's locked down and you'll understand a little better how that then works. Okay, so our job now as we dive in, as we look at each of these feasts, is to not make it about calendars and numbers, to make it about Jesus Christ. And all of God's people said, okay, so as we walk through this, there's gonna be some Old Testament info, then there's gonna be some New Testament info, and some massive worship of Jesus Christ. So let's get started. We're gonna jump in with the Feast of Passover. That's the first feast that's called out in scripture. So turn with me, if you will, to Leviticus chapter 23. Leviticus chapter 23, it goes Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, right? It's like the third book in. Uh, you might be like, I don't know if my Bible has ever been there. I'm not, not sure how to, just so you know, they actually said Leviticus is the first book that a Jewish child would study and pretty much close to the last book that a Christian may study, right? And sad for that. So we're gonna be diving in in Leviticus here and making sure we understand a little bit of what's going on in the feast. Leviticus 23, we're starting in verse one. As we begin this feast of Passover talk and what we're supposed to learn about Jesus Christ, point number one, this is straight up instructional. Leviticus was all about how to. Do it here, do it this way, and do it this long, all right? Instructional, celebrate that God has a plan for covering sin. The Feast of Passover is all about celebrate that God has a plan for covering sin. This is an instructional step or two on the Feast of Passover. Here we go. Leviticus 23, starting in verse 1. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the people of Israel and say to them, so the Lord says to Moses, hey, I'm gonna tell you some things. Now you tell these things to the people. Make sure you tell this to all of Israel. So the Lord says to Moses, speak this to him. He says, these are the appointed feasts of the Lord that you shall proclaim as holy convocation. These are the appointed feasts. Please hear the word appointed. God has the, des the design in place. He is setting the date. It's his to choose, and it's locked in. An appointed feast. God's got the plan. Everybody say, God's got the plan. Right? An appointed feast. It is a holy convocation, it says. Holy convocation. We don't use that phrase a lot. 
right? Like maybe ever. And the word holy, it means set apart. Convocation means calling everybody together. So it is a day set apart where everybody is called together to do something. A holy convocation has to do with no work. It is a time of celebration and remembrance. It's making much of your God. It is a worship time. Okay, it's a no work, kick back, make much of your God, remember him. Holy convocation. And that's a huge deal. And it says, the, they are my appointed feasts. And then he's like, speaking of holy convocations, verse 3 says, Six days shall work be done, but on the seventh day is a Sabbath of solemn rest. A Sabbath of solemn rest, a holy convocation. So there you go. He's saying the Sabbath is also a holy convocation. It is a set-apart day where there's not to be work, but instead worship and rest. It says, you shall do no work. It is a Sabbath to the Lord in all your dwelling places. So now he's talking about the Sabbath. Remember, he said, these are the feasts of the Lord. Holy convocation. Just so you know, verse 3 is like one of those rabbit trail moments where he's like, well, speaking of holy convocation, hang on, let me tell you about the Sabbath, which is a holy convocation as well. Now let's get back to it. So he jumps in in verse 4 and he's like, these are the appointed feasts. Are you hearing the repetition? He's like, all right, all right. I threw something in there. We're not talking about the Sabbath really right now, though. We're talking about the feasts. Let's get going. Verse 4, these are the appointed feasts of the Lord, the holy convocations, which you shall proclaim at the time appointed for them, which you shall proclaim at the time appointed for them. In other words, don't make up new places to put these. Keep them where they are. I'm telling you what to do. I've got a plan. And I'm just telling you, this is going to be super important as we walk through these feasts. There's actually seven feasts, and then we're going to throw an eighth day in as well where we're going to do baptisms, all right? And so on September 30th, we've got baptisms coming up. We're going to put that in the middle of this. There's going to be a big celebration about Christ and then big celebration about lives committed over to Christ. But as we walk through each of these feasts and make much of him, the reality is he's like, I'm going to be doing some big things on these days. And each of these days has a lot of different historical events that has taken place and one major thing about Jesus Christ that's taking place with it, all right? And that's what we're gonna be walking through. He's like, don't change it, don't move it. I'm doing something, I've got a divine calendar and I'm letting you in on a little secret about it. Track with me here. He's like, these are the appointed feasts, the holy convocations which you shall proclaim. Here we go, verse five. Now we're talking about the Feast of Passover. He says, in the first month, which month? In the first month on the 14th day. Which day? 14th. On the 14th day of the month at twilight. When? Okay, that's why I said instructional for point number one, right? He's like, first month, 14th day, twilight. Clear enough? Right? This is exactly when I want this going down. Don't forget it. The first month, 14th day at twilight, I'm going to want you going after this celebration. It is the Lord's Passover, it says. It is the Lord's Passover. Whose Passover is it? It's the Lord's Passover. Now, when you hear these words, you may know some scriptural story and understand it. You may recognize the word Passover and remember back to the story of Israel captive in Egypt. They're slaves there. 
They're looking to break out. God wants to release them. They are not being released by the Pharaoh. And God walks through a series of plagues, 10 plagues, to be able to convince that he has authority even over the Egyptian gods, that God has great authority and that they need to listen to him. And in the midst of this, there's a moment where God's wrath passes over every house that is Israelite because they've walked through and done something very specific, which we're going to talk about in point number two, that God is now passing over, but the wrath of God is pouring in to all those Egyptians who would not listen and respond. There is a passing over. I'm telling you, when he wrote down, this is the Lord's Passover, there wasn't one Israelite who was like, what's a Passover? That's the best Jewish accent I got. What's the Passover? What's the Passover? Like, that's not what was going on. This is probably about two years after they were released from Egypt at the most, maybe even closer. This is very close in time. They know exactly what it's about. He's like, just remember, you're going to be celebrating the thing I just did for you in a huge way, the Lord's Passover. And uh, he's like, let's make sure we make much of him. Here's the deal. You might think of Passover and you might even remember it or know it and uh, be thinking, um, it's about that meal that they have, isn't it? Isn't it about food? Isn't it about, like, is that all they do? They just kind of hang out? Is it kind of somber? And no, oh, man, the Passover is actually a giant celebration. It is making much of God and his provision as he released them out of Egypt, no longer slaves. In fact, let's just throw this slide up. Here's some uh, actual pictures of Passover celebration. We'll get it up. We ready? Here we go. So on the bottom left, this is a, a priest blowing a giant shofar, calling together. He's like, heads up, man. He's calling them together, a holy convocation. The blasting of the trumpet and the celebrating. If you notice the dudes dressed in black, all these guys, that's Orthodox Jewish guys right down by the Western Wall. There's this massive celebration going on as they are dancing together, laughing together, celebrating together. The holy convocation of Passover is about this liturgy, this formality, and fun, and laughter, and making much of God, and celebrating Him and all that He's doing. Don't miss it. It is about celebration. Uh, what's it about? Celebration. It is about lifting it up. Make sure we learn to celebrate well. Man, do you take time to celebrate what God's doing in your life? Or is everything about put your nose to the grindstone and go? Work, 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 work. Never taking the break, always grinding it out. God's like, please hear me. Take some time to remember what I'm doing in your life. Maybe there's some small things that God is doing in your life. Maybe there's some things that God is doing in a big way in your life. And make sure you're taking time to remember what God has also done in the nation of Israel. And don't lose sight because he speaks through these examples and he teaches us of who he is. Make sure we celebrate. That's point number one. On the first month, 14th day at twilight. Please note this, by the way. It says first month. That means he wants the calendar year starting here. So the moment where the salvation occurred for Israel coming out of Egypt is where the calendar starts. The calendar starts because there is celebration of salvation. All right, here we go. Point number two. He gave us a little bit of instructional on it about when. Now the historical. Remember that God saved Israel with the blood of a lamb. 
Remember that God saved Israel with the blood of a lamb. Let's turn back to Exodus chapter 12, okay? So now this is the second book of the Bible, right? Genesis, Exodus. Now you may have visited here more often than Leviticus, right? But Genesis, Exodus, let's get to Exodus 12. And just so you know, the time frame on these is, like I said, probably about a year to two years before Leviticus was written now. We're jumping in at Exodus 12. As we jump into this, the Israelites are currently captive. They are slaves in Egypt. They are stuck. They've been there for 400 years. They're longing to get out and be freed. And God's got a plan. He's like, I'm going to walk you through 10 plagues, and there's going to be some amazing things that take place. And over nine of the plagues, while they're wowed by who God is, they don't break and let the Israelites go. Nine plagues have gone down, and now they're coming to the 10th, the worst of them. God has made it super clear this is going to be nasty. Now we pick up in Exodus chapter 12, starting in verse 1. God working with Moses here on the 10th plague to come. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, in the land of Egypt, remember, they're slaves now in the land of Egypt, this month shall be the month, the beginning of the months, the first of the month, right? This is the same thing Leviticus said. This month right now where the Passover is going to happen, it's the beginning. It's the first month. Uh, which month is it? Okay. This one will be the beginning of months for you. It shall be the first month of the year for you. Tell all the congregation of Israel that on the uh, 10th day of the month, which day? Okay, you're like, wait, I thought it was the 14th. Hang on. On the 10th day of the month, something very specific is going to happen. On the 10th day of the month, every man shall take a lamb according to their father's house, a lamb for a household. And if the household is too small, then a lamb for all of them. For he as a nearest neighbor shall take according to the number of persons, according to what each can eat. You shall take and make your count for the lamb. He's like, hear me, man, get a lamb. And if it's enough for your family, get a lamb for your family. And if your family's too small, then get some neighbors together. And everybody, get a lamb together and partner in. Y'all need a lamb to be eating from. And make sure y'all get that on the 10th. On which day? Okay, don't forget it. That day is going to come in very important in just a little bit. And uh, he's like, so make account for that lamb. He says, your lamb shall be without blemish, a male and a year old. Without blemish, so no marks on the uh, fleece, no broken legs, no anything like that. This lamb is without blemish and uh, a male and a year old. Take it from the sheep or from the goats. So for all of us who aren't farmers or in any way related to animals, you're like, I thought lambs were always sheep. And just so you know, lambs are just the, the young ones, so it could be either a sheep or a goat. So you can take from either the sheep or the goat here and be able to go after it. It says, you may take it from the sheep or the goat, and you shall keep it until the 14th day of the month. So the first month, the 14th day. It says, when the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill their lambs at twilight. Got it? So the first month, 14th day, at twilight, take the lamb that you had chosen back on the 10th, that you've been caring for now, and everybody all across the nation kills their lamb at the same time. 
at twilight. It says, then they shall take some of the blood and they'll put it on the two doorposts and the lintel of the house. They'll put it on the two doorposts and the lintel of the house, the wood that is the doorway entry to your house. Put the blood of the lamb on the doorpost and the lintel and the doorpost. The blood of the lamb goes on the wood. The blood of the lamb goes on the wood on the 14th at twilight. Don't worry, this is all gonna make sense in a little bit. For those of you who are like, details are hard for me, man. Just hang with me, that's why I'm doing a lot of repetition as we walk it through. This is all gonna pan in just a little bit here. Watch this now. He says, take the blood of the lamb and put it on the doorpost and the lintel. They shall eat the flesh that night, roasted in fire, uh, with unleavened bread and with bitter herbs, they shall eat it. Do not eat any of it raw or boiled in water, but roasted. In other words, he's like, don't worry about being a chef. Don't try to get this meat like really tender and special and just right for you. Don't try to cook it up all unique. Just roast the thing. Just put it on the fire and cook it hardcore. Get this thing cooked and get it cooked thoroughly. In fact, he goes even more complete. He's like, uh, it's head with its legs and its inner parts. And you're like, I don't think I've ever cooked that way. He's like, just put it on the fire, man. Get this thing cooked. So it's take the blood and put it on the doorpost, the lintel and the doorpost, and get this thing on the fire. The whole thing is just being roasted up, not chef style, just getting it cooked fast. And uh, he says, and you shall let none of it remain until the morning. Anything that remains until the morning, you shall burn. Eat it all. Whatever's left, burn it up. In this manner you shall eat it with your belt fastened, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand, and you shall eat in haste. Get your coat on, get your belt tight, get your shoes on, get your staff in hand, be wolfing that thing down that's burned to a crisp. You're just eating cooked meat and getting it done. You are ready to rock. I'm going to be doing something huge, and I need you ready to go. I need you fed so you can travel. And I need you waiting on me and trusting in me. This is Israel in the middle of Egypt, getting ready to be released from the 10th plague. Here we go. He just said what to do. Now he says why. It is the Lord's Passover. I'm going to be doing something here. He says, for I will pass through the land of Egypt that night and I will strike all the firstborn of the land of Egypt, both man and beast and no one uh, uh, and all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. On all the gods, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. Hear me, man. The 10th plague is coming. And the firstborns of all those who rebel will lose their life. There is going to be a massive pain and ache throughout Egypt for not responding to me. I am getting ready to do a work, and it is going to be huge. He said, the blood shall be a sign for you on the house where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And now the definition of Passover. My wrath will pass over your house as I'm working through Egypt, holding them accountable for standing against me. I am God Almighty, and I will make my authority known tonight. Be prepared. Shoes on, 
coat on, belt tight, staff in hand, ready to rock. When I see the blood on the doorpost and the lintel, I will pass over you. And no plague will befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. This is the story of Passover. And you may not have heard it before. Man, if you came to the church later in life, this might be a brand new story for you. So just make sure you lock in on the simple details. Israel is slaves. God is wanting them out and Egypt is not releasing them. God walks plagues with them and says this 10th one is massive. The firstborns in each rebellious home are gonna pass away tonight, animal or human being. Lives are gonna be taken tonight in rebellion against me. Put blood on the doorpost and I will pass over and protect you. Get ready. God's doing something huge in the midst of Israel. Now, if you want, just jump over real quick. I'm just gonna read these verses starting at verse 29 just so you see what happened. At midnight, the Lord struck down all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, from the firstborn of Pharaoh who sat on his throne to the firstborn of the captive who was in the dungeon and all the firstborn of the livestock. And Pharaoh rose up in the night, he and all his servants and all the Egyptians. And there was a great cry in Egypt, for there was not a house where someone was not dead. Then he summoned Moses and Aaron by night and said, up, go out from among my people, both you and the people of Israel. Go, serve the Lord as you have said. Take your flocks and your herds as you have said and be gone and bless me also. Just a little throw in on the end, like your God is stunning. Please ask him not to do any more and get out of here. Released. The Passover as God came through Egypt, passing over every house of Israel that had blood on it. He passed over the blood on the wood and saved life. And for those who stood against, there was the cost of life, God's wrath, punishment in. God doing a huge work in Exodus. And uh, Man, the job of Israel as they do the Feast of Passover was to look backward to this story, to look backward and remember God saving them out of Egypt. Some of every feast is about the looking back in the history of God with Egypt. And we're gonna look at each of those each week, but it's also about then Christ fulfilling this ultimately going forward. And that we get a huge opportunity to, which is gonna be our third point, hang on. So this past week, we, uh, dropped our daughter off, Alyssa, at the airport. And uh, we dropped her off up at O'Hare. She was flying to Israel. So Alyssa, my daughter, is actually in Jerusalem. She's studying there abroad this semester. So she's going to be there August all the way through early December. And uh, so she's studying at Jerusalem University and getting some classes there from uh, Orthodox rabbis and Palestinian officials and just wild, the collection of people they brought together at Jerusalem University and some great opportunities for her. But she wrote some things down on Facebook and posted, why don't we throw the slide up? And uh, she posted this slide, which the background there is the Mount of Olives. And she wrote, awesome week in Israel. She wrote, started with a sunrise over the Mount of Olives, that's the back picture, and ended playing ultimate Frisbee in the Hinnom Valley <laughs> at the end of the week, right? And then she wrote, only a phrase you can say when you're living in Jerusalem, right? 
And just a cool moment as she reflected on her week, you can see the Mount of Olives in the background just outside of Jerusalem. You can see some of the people that were playing ultimate Frisbee there and her team, and, and uh, they're just having a good time, ready? Remembering this past week and all that God has done. Man, may we take time to celebrate. May we take time to remember the works that God has done, to laugh together, to smile together, and to be able to take moments of downtime where you think about the greatness of your God. Remember, and how much more then when we start talking about the Feast of Passover, to remember the work that God has done with Israel in being able to save them by the Lamb's blood. Saved by the Lamb's blood. Everybody just say that phrase with me. Saved by the Lamb's blood. Remember. That's our call, to be able to take some downtimes to remember and celebrate. All right, here we go. Point number three. Christological. That just means it's about Christ, all right? So we talked about the uh, instructional. We talked about the historical. Now we're talking about the Christological. Worship Jesus as our sacrificial lamb. Worship Jesus as our sacrificial lamb. Let's turn to Luke chapter 23, starting in verse 44. It's New Testament. I'll give you a chance to get there. Luke 23, starting in verse 44. Love hearing the pages turn. When you move from Leviticus to Luke, there's some pages that have to turn, right? So we're getting into the New Testament here. Hanging on. All right, here we go. Worship Jesus, our sacrificial lamb. Let's not lose sight of this. This right now, as we pick it up, it says, it was now about the sixth hour and there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. We're picking this up. Christ is on the cross, okay? Jesus Christ, he's on the cross. And from the sixth hour, that's noon until the ninth hour, that's three o'clock. There is darkness over the land. Christ is on the cross. Let's just back it up for a moment and get a little more crescendo explanation of this. Ready? So on the beginning of the week, Christ is coming in to town and they're crying out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. That was on the, ready? The first month, the 10th day of the month. Are you recognizing that number? Remember back in Exodus, it said on the 10th day of the month, choose your lamb. And Jesus Christ now coming in on the 10th day of the first month. And then throughout that week getting prepared, he gets taken captive. He ends up getting beaten and mocked. He ends up getting nailed to a cross. Ready? On the 14th day of the first month. Jesus Christ, it is the day of Passover. And he is being brought to the cross and nailed It says now, from the sixth to the ninth hour, from noon until three o'clock, Jesus Christ, my God, on the cross for us on Passover. It says, while the sun's light failed, it begins to get darker. Now it's coming even through three o'clock and a little bit after as it's beginning to get dark. In other words, it's getting close to twilight, right? And in the first month on the 14th day at twilight, it says, while the sun's light failed, the curtain of the temple was torn in 
too. In other words, as the life of Jesus Christ is being given, as the blood of Christ is now being shed, as his blood, the lamb's blood, is being put onto the wood, like the lintel and the doorpost going onto the cross of wood, him for me. His blood getting laid out, and it says the temple curtain tore in two, top to bottom. Hear me, man. The temple curtain was something that separated the holy glory of God from the rest of the people. God's glory everywhere, if you so chose it, he chose to unleash it right there in the holy of holies. And this curtain was separating from the rest. And on the death of Christ, on his blood being shed, the curtain rips top to bottom, saying these simple words, access to God Almighty is now available. Praise be to God. Amen. Huge deal, man. Jesus Christ, he dies for us. His blood shed for us. It says, the curtain of the temple was torn into. Then Jesus, calling out with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last now, when the centurion saw what had taken place, he praised God, saying, certainly this man was innocent. Everybody say, without blemish. On the first month, 14th day, at twilight, blood on the wood, lamb without blemish, him for me. And all the crowds that had assembled for this spectacle, when they saw what had taken place, they returned home beating their breasts. This isn't right. This shouldn't have happened. He, he's innocent. And, and all his acquaintances and the women who had followed him from Galilee stood at a distance watching these things, stunned. Hear me, though. God has a plan. And the appointed day from thousands of years, 1,400 years before it, he's like, hang on. I know exactly what I'm doing. And on this day, I will shed the blood of lamb onto the wood. I will make it available on the 14th day of the first month at twilight. And payment will be made. And I will now pass over. And if you believe in Jesus Christ, and if you confess him as Lord... If you're like, I'm in God, take over, you're in charge, forgive me, hear me, then his blood goes onto the doorposts of your soul and you are covered and protected and God's wrath passes over and there is salvation, amen, man. Hope in him, hope and life through Jesus Christ, the Passover lamb, his blood on the lintel and doorposts for you and for me, all right, I just wanted to read a few verses off that would be worth writing down for you just to lock this thing in. Ready? 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7. 1 Corinthians 5, verse 7. For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. That's 1 Corinthians 5. It literally calls Christ the Passover lamb. He is your Passover lamb. The feast of Passover is not just looking back to what God did in Israel. That was just a moment in human history. 
But we have a moment of divine history as Jesus Christ went to the cross for us. He is our Passover lamb. And all of God's people said, 1 Peter 1.19, we are ransomed with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. Jesus Christ, him for me. Hebrews 4.15 says, he was tempted as we are, yet without sin. Man, this is our God for us. And the feast of Passover gave us a glimpse of an opportunity of seeing who Jesus Christ is, that he is going to the cross absolutely perfect. But he's dying for you and for me. And he's giving us hope. And his blood on the cross gets shed so that we can be passed over from experiencing the wrath of God. Man, do you know Jesus Christ as your Savior? Are you trusting him as Lord? The one who offered himself up willingly and on the 10th of the first month was chosen as the Lamb of God to take away the sin of the world. And on the 14th of the month, he ends up being nailed to a cross, his blood to the doorpost and lintel of your soul, covering your sin. Praise be to God. And do you know him? Have you trusted in him? Maybe this day of all days, the feast of Passover talk, it's time to say, God, I'm in. You did that for me. You covered me. And while I owe taking the wrath of God because of my sin, you're taking it on you. Thank you, Lord. I give you my life. And I give you my all. Hand him your everything. Man, and don't walk away from today without doing it. Jesus Christ, him for me. All right, I'm just gonna say this. You might be like, well, that's great. I get the whole history thing. And I, I hear about the cross and I get some of that. And, but isn't that kind of all about here on earth, here and now? And really, does this go any further and what's going on with it? And I'm just telling you, the worship of Jesus Christ as the Lamb of God is going to go on for all eternity. And all of God's people said, please hear me, man. This is something that starts now in your life, and we just get better at doing it. Worshiping the Lamb of God, who is our hope. So here's what I'm going to ask. Either listen to me or turn there if you want. Revelation chapter 5. You can just listen if you want, but I'm going to read through this starting at verse 6. Revelation 5, starting at verse 6. This is John getting a revelation, looking towards the end of time and the role that Jesus Christ is going to play in it. It says, And between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders, I saw a lamb standing as though he had been slain. Everybody say, that's Jesus Christ. That's Jesus Christ. And with seven horns and with seven eyes and with the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth, this is Jesus Christ. He is God Almighty and he is working with God the Father and God the Spirit. It said, he went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. He took the scroll that no one else could take. He alone worthy to take the scroll. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb each holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayer of the saints. And they sang a new song 
And they cried out, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom and praises to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. Then I looked And I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders the voice of many angels numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands. I'm just telling you, the worship is now going crescendo bigger. It is massively increasing. Now we have tens of thousands, millions of angels getting ready to rock it for Jesus Christ, saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb who was slain. This is the angels crying this out, man. Amen. Worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. Can you imagine that thunder? Millions of angels. Think of the size of an angel, man. Giant-sized angels thundering forth with all their voice. Worthy is the lamb. And it is thundering through the area as the angels are making much of Jesus Christ. Hang on, we aren't done. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all of them saying, every creature, how many? The thundering of all creatures. To him who sits on the throne and to the lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And then it says, and the four living creatures said, amen. And it ends with a massive drop and tons of worship. Amen, man. Ready? We have a job to do. Jesus Christ, he is the absolute fulfillment of the feast of Passover. God saved Israel out of Egypt. And that was just a moment in history. That was a remember this day, the 14th day of the first month at twilight. Hang on. It is my appointed day. And I am going to be doing something massive and comes forward to the first coming of Christ. He goes to the cross on the 14th day of the first month at twilight. Him for me, his blood shed. And for all eternity, we cry out, worthy is the lamb who was slain. And all of God's people said, amen, man. So we got a job to do today, right here and right now. Worthy is the lamb who was slain. We're going to say it loud. We're going to say it big. And as we're getting after this, I'm just going to ask the worship team, they can come on out and get set. We've got a job to do here as we do this and stand and close in prayer. Ready? Worthy is the lamb who was slain. Say it with me. Say it louder. Worthy is the lamb who was slain. With me and louder. Worthy is the lamb who was slain. Jesus Christ, him for me. Everybody just say it out loud. Him for me. me. That is our God. Worthy is the lamb who was slain. Say it louder. Say it bigger. Worthy is the lamb who was slain. Jesus Christ, him for me. And all of God's people said, amen, man. Amen. Amen. All right, I'm a little amped up about the feast. (laughs) I love celebrating Jesus Christ as he's given us hope for thousands of years to the exact moment of time that God has a plan. And all of God's people said, 
Let's pray.